Do you wonder if others are dealing with the same project management challenges as you? Not sure where to turn for guidance and leadership? Office Hours are in session as we discuss project management and PMOs with global leaders, hearing their story and learning their secrets to success. Our goal is to empower you and help you elevate your PMO and project management career to new heights. Welcome back to Project Management Office Hours with your host, PMO Joe. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours. We're the number one live project management radio show in the U.S., broadcasting to you today from the Phoenix Business Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, PMO Joe, and for the next hour or so, we'll be talking project management. Before we jump into the show, just a couple of announcements. Just want to encourage everybody out there as we are all project managers or agilists, that the there's tremendous importance, of course, with lessons learned and retrospectives. And we within the show need that feedback as well. So I, I encourage everyone to go out and visit our podcast page and provide feedback to us or go out to one of your podcast platforms such as Apple Podcast and leave a rating or a review. Drop me a note on LinkedIn, send me an email, whatever it might be. But just let us know how we're doing, right? Let us know what we can do better, what you'd like to hear on the show. It's our opportunity to get feedback direct from you, and that just helps us put together a great show. And we're super excited about all the guests we have coming up, so we're super enthusiastic learning how we can continue this great journey that we've been on. Also, want to let everybody know of an upcoming event. The Project Management in Practice 2021 conference is coming up June 24th and 25th. And you can go out to projectmanagementinpractice.com to learn more about that. Uh, This year, there are two main tracks they're focusing on, change management and project value leadership. The conference will be virtual, so anyone can really attend from around the world. Attendees will be able to receive up to 16 PDUs for the event, includes a great lineup of speakers, some of which have been guests from our show. Former guests are Dr. Barbara Troutline, Suzanne Madsen, Andy Kaufman, Carol Osterwheel, Rich Maltzman uh, will be speaking. Uh, They'll also have keynote from Bill Woodich and so many other great international speakers. I am fortunate enough to be in that group, and I'll be speaking and presenting a case study this time from one of our client engagements that we focus on the value of project management and what that can bring to an organization. So I would encourage everybody to go out there and register for that event. Also want to thank our sponsors, the PMO Squad and the PMO Leader. Uh, Please take a moment to go out and visit the websites there to learn everything you can about those organizations. And also a reminder for everyone to visit projectmanagementofficehours.com. You can see all of our upcoming guests as well as catch all the previous episodes. And as I mentioned before, give us some feedback. Let us know how we're doing. So now on to our guest. I am super excited today to have with us Danielle Torley. Welcome, Danielle. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me today. If you could take a moment, Danielle, just to let the listeners know a little bit more about you and and then we'll jump into some fun discussion. 
Sure thing. Well, I am calling in today from Austin, Texas, one of my most favorite cities, but I'm also in a hotel room. So if there's some background noise, I apologize for that. So I guess the main thing about me is I am not an official technical project manager. I work in business development and I am a proposals management professional. Uh, I'm from Michigan, but I first became interested in project management when I was working overseas in Dubai. One of my mentors mentioned to me, talked to me about project management certifications. And at the time, everyone in the office was getting their Prince 2 certification, their PMPs. And I was like, wow, that would be so cool to get that. But um, I just didn't think that I would have the hours for it. So he had said to me, well, look, you know, proposals, each proposal that you do is a project. You know, there is a initiating, there's there's planning, there's an execution where you're writing it. There is, um, you know, all the reviews and QA, QC checks that we have, and, and then you close it out. So that kind of got the wheels turning in my head for a while. And um, after I moved back over to the D.C. area, I started looking into it a little bit more. And then my husband and I both decided to get our PMP certifications. Ever since then, I've really been interested in furthering the profession of project management to, you know, the, the, the outliers of the technical project management, the, you know, people doing scheduling and logistics and business development, because one of the things that I found has been so helpful in my career and my interactions with people is having that kind of foundation or knowledge base. So that is me. And we, we live in Florida um, with my husband and my three little kids and my two dogs. Yeah, try to get out as much as we can. So we're taking this time right now to do a little family vacation. I love that you mentioned you have his and her matching PMPs. That was, uh, <laughs> you guys both decided to get that at the same time. We the, did. It was fun to study together. <laughs> the Now, for, for our listeners, I think Danielle is the first guest that I've ever had on where uh, I was just, I was out watching your TED talk. I said, I have to have her on the show, right? It was the first time anybody really hit me to my core. Uh, that wasn't, as you mentioned, right? Not a, a, a prototypical or stereotypical project manager uh, that, that we wanted to get on in, in your TED talk. We're not, I don't want to give it away. You've had 1.5 plus million views on that out there. Uh, so people, I encourage them all to go out and watch that TED Talk. But if you had to give a, a Cliff Notes version of that, well, how would you describe that? What was, I guess you can talk a little bit about the experience as well, but what's what's the message within within that talk? When I was a young child, I had a, um, a death in the family. And um, it was a, a pretty tra- dramatic experience. As you said, not to give it all away, but our, our house caught on fire. And um, that kind of stayed with me for a while and was something that I struggled with for a while since we were all in the house at the time. My TED Talk is really about how I transformed that experience from something, you know, utterly traumatic into really a learning and growth experience, Um, how I learned how to deal with my, my grief, move forward through fire dancing and learning how to dance with fire. And just, again, some minor details about that. Well, not minor, I guess, or significant details, but you were six years old at the time, right? So it's a it's a long journey from a, an experience as a, a youngster and how that would impact your life to to where you're at now. And again, 
I strongly, strongly encourage everybody out there to go watch that TED Talk. It is, it is fantastic. But what's, what was that? There had to be, I'm imagining a moment in time where fire dancing became healing, I guess, in, in a certain degree. What Can you share a little bit about that? It's definitely a question that I've asked myself before and people have asked me before. And I I don't think there's any one moment where I realize, oh wow, I'm all better. Everything's okay now. Um, it was it was um a process for sure, and kind of a series of realizations, I think, you know, from that first time that I tried dancing with fire, being completely terrified and thinking, oh man, what have I gotten myself into? to further down the road where I felt a little bit more comfortable with it. And I would start experimenting with new equipments or new props or trying new tricks. And then, you know, to where we are today, where I can, I can perform and, uh, you know, perform at uh, different types of events, private events, uh, festivals, that sort of thing, and feel pretty confident in it. There are still times where I might be trying a new trick or doing something that is a little bit different than I usually do. And I, I still have a bit of that fear, you know, if the fire's too close to my face or things are burning just a little bit too hot. And so I, I would say that I'm on the spectrum, a more conservative fire dancer, but I think through the process of the Ted talk, it's really helped me to, step back as a storyteller of my own story and look at the evolution of how I've grown as a person, you know, and not just the standard from a child to an adult, but how, how I've been able to deal with the trauma and, and grief of the fire. Yeah. And as I've gotten to know you a little bit better, you've shared with me, I mean, an amazing life journey that you've been on. Uh, and I, I, I like how I, I'll give a, an example here to everybody. You had kind of said back in 2016, I hit a fork in the road. It was get a job in college admissions, a master's degree or a job in Dubai. And then you just so casually say while in Dubai, right, <laughs> to let us know that, of course, there really wasn't a choice there, right? It was I'm going to Dubai. You know, we're all faced with these choices in life you were able to make that one that obviously has, has been an impact in your life as well. How, how do you go about, because the traditional answer would be, well, I'm going to go for the job, right? And then maybe the fallback answer is I'll continue my education, but you really probably went more for the life experience, right? How do you have that courage to be able to make that decision? You know, I'm not really sure. I think um, ever, ever since I first started traveling outside of Michigan, where I grew up, it just, I just love having new experiences and meeting new people and being exposed to different cultures. And I I don't know, I I guess I've always been drawn to that. So even, you know, the idea of us staying in one place for seven or eight or nine or 10 years is, it's a little bit difficult to grasp sometimes because I, I feel like we're just such movers and travelers. But um, yeah, those opportunities came up. They they all randomly happened to just be at the same time within a matter of weeks that I had those three opportunities. And it just, moving to Dubai, it just sounded so exciting. And, and of course it is exciting, but it wasn't just in Dubai, right? Then you had to travel to Afghanistan and Iraq and 
and learn more about that. So you've, you have this well-rounded and global perspective on your experiences. And now, of course, you're back here in the States. But what I've found um, through my work with the PMO leader and the PMO squad and interacting with people from around the world is that we Americans have this sheltered view of, of what is right and what is wrong. And as we expose ourselves more to international thought leadership, there's a whole different world out there. It's just amazing. And, and unfortunately, we don't get to experience it as much. How has your experience has been outside the U.S.? And how has that helped shape your view or global perspective of life within the U.S.? You know, I, I think one of the big things that I've picked up from working overseas with different, um, different cultures, different personalities, is really just the humanness of all of us and learning to be empathetic and learning about empathy and kind of taking into account that everyone has different things going on for them. And I think that that's a really good lesson that a, a number of people might have learned recently with everything COVID is that we, we are not just showing up to work and everyone is at, at the same place all the time. Um, I think it's really important to remember that uh, with different cultures and different experiences that, you know, everyone has something going on in their personal lives that might be impacting their work. And just being aware of that is, is so important to collaborate with a team. So I, I think for me, that was one of the biggest takeaways that I've learned starting in Dubai and through my career up until now. Yeah, and I, I think you alluded to it also in your introduction, right? You're maybe not the traditional project manager, uh, but you were a chapter president uh, for a PMI chapter, right? So that's that's impressive to, to be able to jump into a profession that maybe is related to your work, but not directly tied to it. But really what you've been able to do is bridge the gap between business development and project management, because for every deal that you win, right, in a business development perspective, there's a project that comes after it that somebody has to go execute. And and there has to be a connection between those two. Yes. Yeah. And I think so often there is quite a bit of disconnect, actually, because um, you have the, the business development team who tells the story and they have to win. So they tell the story. They say, we need to do it for this price. You know, this is our price to win oh yeah, we also need this many people and we'll be providing all this equipment or all of these services as well. And then you win and it gets sent over to the PMO and they have to execute it. And they're sitting here thinking, wait, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> we have to do this for this price? Yeah, I think that, that it, that's really one of the big things that I have tried to work on is building that bridge between business development and the project management office. With one of my former coworkers, we had a, a joke about the snow globe. Well, a couple of us did actually. And we talked about the business development snow globe and how, you know, we're putting together this proposal and this, this response and we are in this the snow globe and everything is fine and perfect and lovely. <laughs> and, then, and then that's what gets passed over to the PMO. And it's often not the same as, as what we might have put into our, our beautiful story that we told. Yeah. So how do we, how do we do that? Right. How do we get, how do we all live in the snow globe? Right. Cause right. 
you know, businesses get shaken up or shooken up uh, all the time. And it doesn't just impact one part of the business, right? We're all part of that. So how do we, how do we bridge that gap? How do we bring them together? Yeah, that's a really good question. And there are a couple of things I, I, that I feel like um, can be done to, to work on that. And um, as I had mentioned in the beginning, one of them is really trying to understand the roles that we're both playing, the project management role and the business development role. And as I had mentioned, having a PMP certification or, or a, you know, basic knowledge of project management has definitely helped me to empathize more with the project teams and to listen better, to recognize some of their constraints, while also from a business development perspective, trying to push that to see how far we can go and still be, still realistically execute a project. Um, I think it's really important to going the opposite way for project managers to understand a little bit about the business development perspective and how BD and proposals needs to respond and how their processes work. One of the things that we've done at a previous job is um, we had had some proposal working sessions almost or training sessions, and we had pulled in the team. This was the 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 team that had worked on the proposal. So we had um, people from logistics and procurement and pricing, um, contracts people came in and we gave a, you know, one or two day training on this is how proposals work. And um, then we had collaborated together and brainstormed and sat down and we said, okay, well, how are we going to work on these uh, task order or proposal responses from now on? What kind of process can we put in place so that we are successful as a team? Uh, instead of just proposals saying, this is what we're going to do, we really tried to customize it to what could work for everyone within the deadlines that we had. So yeah, so that, that's been really important. And then I think just um, working with um, the PMI, my PMI local chapter, and I also work with the Association of Proposals Management Professionals on the Board of Directors for Florida there, letting people know that there is crossover and that it's not as great as many people might assume. Yeah, I mean, we all there's common ground there, right? I mean, the mm-hmm. the company continues to exist and thrive if we we win new business, and we project managers, the delivery folks, need to have that to to stay employed. Uh, the challenge, right, is we always then say, why just sell that deal, right? You know, and, and then right. come back. <laughs> how, how so? Training and, and exposure to those processes are important, right? To be able to understand each team member, but the certification that you had mentioned, I had never heard of it for the, the proposals, right? You went out and have a PMI uh, certification, and that's not what I would consider, again, traditional for you. What would be some of the education or learnings that we in the project profession could look at about proposals to try to understand them a little bit more? Again, it's not going to be our, our full-time job, but the more we can understand it, I think the better we can work together. Yeah, definitely. There are um, a number of courses out there. The ones that I have taken are the Shipley courses, and um, there is that APMP certification as well. But the Shipley courses, there are a number of different courses, just like there are for project management. So there's everything from price to win, uh, capture, business development, proposal writing, 
which is actually kind of an important course for some of those project managers because a lot of times I think PMs will get pulled into a proposal process or response and be asked to write um, a section or a volume or um, you know a couple paragraphs even about uh, about the proposal response and that course is really good because it's going to show you you know how to respond to that in the way that the proposals team is looking for. Yeah, I can even see that uh, in a non-traditional way with change management, right? As you're, as a project manager, maybe making an internal proposal to an executive team Mm -hmm. uh, for changes that they need to take place and learning that skill to become more efficient in that, I think would help us become better project managers. Um, Working through steering committees, certainly with the knowledge of how proposals are done because it's the, the thought leadership of how to close a deal and win deals as you may be putting air quotes here, proposals in front of a steering committee for a change in direction. Right. Uh, so I think there's, a, again, that the project management, we go so wrapped up in delivering our project, we forget we're part of the organization sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, and we're knowing that we have to work within the different departments to help be successful. Um, and for me, that's so important to be able to do. Yes, definitely. And that's, um, you know, the, the phrase, everyone is an ambassador. So even as project managers, you might not have, you might, you know, you might be focused on a project that you're working on, but when you're thinking about everyone being an ambassador for the company, you're a representative and someone might come to you with an opportunity to, um, modify or significantly expand the project that you're working on. So to be able to understand, you know, how to respond to that is um, it's really important. So as, I guess, a former PMI chapter uh, president, mm-hmm. you, you obviously have good insights into our profession and exposure and experience with a lot of other project managers. What, what have you seen out there for ways that we can kind of continue to further and grow the project management profession? How can we keep getting better? Well, I... I I think it's really, it's been really interesting in the past year um, as people have been doing more virtual work with COVID because there's also been this explosion of knowledge online, right? Um, It's not just in-person project management institute events that are available to to people to learn from. It's really seeing so many more webinars, so many more communities pop up online yourself with the PMO leader and project management office hours. It's been I think it's been really eye-opening for a lot of people that just the, the resources online are amazing. And um, to be able to take advantage of some of those and especially to join some of those communities, I think is what's important because, you know, you can listen to webinars or um, do training all day. But I think what one of the things that a lot of people want is, well, how, what does a day in the life of a project manager look like? And how can I solve this problem? And what software do you as a group use to do this? So I think the communities is what's really the, the next big thing for people. And that that is going to be such a huge help in furthering the, the profession and, and individuals as well. Yeah, and, and certainly thank you for mentioning the PMO leader. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's a community that we've started up just a couple months back. Mm-hmm. Um, encourage everyone to go out there, 
www.thepmoleader.com and learn how we're truly building a global community of project and agile professionals uh, that's geared on helping us do project management better without tying it to a specific certification, right? It's just a community of individuals to try to help and grow one another. Uh, and I'm with you, Danielle. I think it's just, that's what we need, right? We, it isn't about chasing certifications. It's about doing a better job. And the more we can learn from one another, I think uh, those communities are really going to be important and, and going to help us achieve more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. Just being able to have resources to reach out to and ask questions of, you know, someone who's actually doing the work right now is really key. Mm-hmm. So let me kind of go back, uh, you know, maybe some more personal, li- the personal side of your life a little bit here and, and ask a couple of questions. And because I think they're important for everybody to understand that, um, you get to define your own path, right? You get to build the the journey that you go on. Um, but you've, you know, we talked a little bit about working in Dubai and, and traveling to Afghanistan and Iraq, but you also spend time in Central America. Again, I haven't had this international travel, so I'm fascinated by people who've had these experiences. What is it like to be able to just say, well, let's see, if I'm going to do a retrospective on my life, I've been to Central America, I've been to Dubai, Iraq, Afghanistan, Malaysia. I mean, you just keep knocking off all of these different countries and experiences. What, what's been the value that you've kind of taken from those experiences and how, how do you think that's helped you in your role to be successful? Sure. Well, a couple of things. So um, Central America was really amazing. That's actually where I learned how to fire dance on an island off the coast of Honduras called Roatan. And so that um, Roatan holds a very special place in my heart because um, I, I mean, that's where, that's where I started scuba diving. That's where I started fire dancing. And it was after college, I, um, I told my parents that I was going to go do some backpacking down there and volunteering. And uh, my friend and I just happened to get stuck on the island for three months <laughs> instead of doing the backpacking that we'd originally planned you know, after, after four years college to just kind of do our own thing and figure things out was a really fun time. Um, I had joked with my parents or they had joked with me about, um, okay, well, you're scuba diving and you're learning to fire dance. Are you going to join the circus or what? (laughs) And, um, you know, by the time I got over to Dubai, I was a paid dive instructor. I was a paid fire performer in addition to my, my actual day job. So, um, I kind of had the last laugh with that one, but um, as far as the rest of the travel, I mean, my husband and I, we've, we've both been to um, probably about 35, 40 different countries, traveled a lot together, and, um, you know, just having those experiences, being able to be really flexible and agile in our own personal lives has been important, um, and being able to adapt to circumstances that are unplanned for has been a really important life lesson, I think. We, um, there was a trip that we took to Jordan uh, shortly before we moved back to the States. And um, we had planned to do some diving. We were going to go up to Petra and then to the Dead Sea. And we had rented a car and it was not a very sturdy rental car. It was, it was 
not brand new. <laughs> and we started driving up into the mountains of Petra and this huge snowstorm hit. Uh, they ended up closing up all the roads, closing up all the roads. And we were so unprepared. You know, we had just come from diving. We didn't realize that there could be massive snowstorms in Jordan. And um, so we're sitting here just driving this. We can't see a thing. And we pass this car and their heat must have been broken because it was like from a movie or something. Uh, one of the guys was driving and the other guy had his head out the window trying to direct him as he's driving. And we're thinking, oh my gosh, what have we gotten into? We are going to be stranded out here. Um, so we ended up linking up with those guys and, uh, we, you know, because they had said, well, let's follow each other to make sure we get down the mountain safely, mm-hmm. which we did. Um, and, uh, we finally got out of that snowstorm, but it took us a lot longer than we had expected. And it was just the experience. We still joke about it today because we really thought that we were going to fly off the edge of the the cliff at any given time. I can imagine. Yeah. But just being able to, you know, roll with things when you're not expecting them at all has been uh, a good lessons learned. You've kind of lived a life like the amazing race, right? You're just constantly living the amazing race, all these different experiences. Yeah, we, you know, it keeps things interesting. It keeps things fun. And especially now with, with kids, it's really important that we're still able to travel and to introduce some of these experiences to them. So still trying to live lives and, uh, and yeah, keep having those experiences. Now, you also, you've mentioned uh, your husband and you've been scuba diving together. Mm-hmm. A, a fun story to share of, of meeting him as well and how that, uh, how you became a couple. We were both living in Dubai at the time and had signed up for this scuba diving trip that we, we hadn't met each other. I hadn't met anyone on the trip before we flew out. And um, we were on an airplane taking off from Kuala Lumpur. And I went to go put my sweatshirt hoodie up and put my headphones in. And this guy at the next seat over starts talking to me and he says, oh, look, there's the Patronus Towers. So I look over. It's like, oh, yes, that's nice. <laughs> and I put my headphones back in and he taps me on the shoulder again. And he says, hey, so what do you think about those elections? What do you think about your new president? And I'm just thinking, oh, my gosh, this guy, he won't, he won't leave me alone. <laughs> Well, we ended up being dive buddies on the trip, and um, then we started dating, and now we have our, our three little kids and our, our two dogs. Expect the unexpected, right? I mean, I mean, that's as I listen to you tell your stories, that's the thing that stands out to me that relates back to our project management world is right, we deal with risks and issues that we track and we try to manage and we want to have control over, but the reality is we can be diving in the morning and driving up a mountain in the snowstorm in the afternoon, metaphorically speaking, right? And you can't be, sometimes you're not prepared for that. Right. And you have to be able to find a way to adapt and overcome to try to help your project be successful and and laugh at it and and have fun with it, right? And find a, a life partner that you may not have expected to when you were just trying to be by yourself on a flight, right? But you have to be open to that. Right. You have to be willing to accept those challenges that come your way and turn them into opportunities for either a learning experience or a fun experience or what it may be. Right. 
And, and that's what I keep hearing from you, right, is this openness to be able to be adaptable. Yes, exactly. You know, I think in the, well, in personal lives, as we had discussed, but in, in our work and professional lives, you just never know what's going to, end. you know, you never, as I mentioned before, you don't know what people's uh, personal lives look like and what they're, um, what they're dealing with outside of work, whether they're, you know, their caregivers or their parents or there's mental health issues or there's, you know, just other projects that are taking their attention. So being able to, um, to structure the project and plan for some of those risks and things that might happen. And, and then, you know, even the ones that are unplanned, as you mentioned, like having the resources and the, the, the knowledge to kind of work through that as they hit is, is so important. And, and also keeping a positive outlook at the same time, because, you know, we've, I think, many of us have had that, that leader, that manager where, um, you know, something happens and then there's a very negative kind of tone around the project or in my case around the proposal and being able to keep that positive outlook is really important for the, for the team. Another thing that, that I believe happened that was kind of unexpected came out of nowhere for you was the opportunity to be a TED speaker, right? So the experience itself, not necessarily your the details of the TED talk, but what was it like to be able to, I guess, have the courage, right, to say yes, I want to expose myself to the world with this, this life event that's happened to me, and put it on possibly the biggest stage in the world. I mean, what what was that experience like for you? That was terrifying, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I don't think that you and I had talked about this yet, but um, I had seen the emails from the project management institute um where they opened or they opened the call for for applicants for this for the ted talks and i I, you know i hadn't thought much of them i was working volunteering as president of the chapter at the time and I, i did not have much time but then there was a call that went out where they extended the deadline and for some reason i just happened to open that email instead of deleting it and i looked at it and you know i was sitting there by myself uh, it was 10 or 11 at night. My husband had already gone to bed. The house was quiet. And I, I started reading that email and I, I clicked on some of the promotional videos that were linked to it. And I just the wheel started turning my head. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I really I really think that I need to try and apply for this. You know, I, I knew immediately that I would do something related to fire or fire dancing and I, I just kind of sat there because I was terrified, but at the same time, I just felt like this was something that needed to happen. So I stayed up until about one in the morning and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to tell my husband this <laughs> when I'm already overcommitted with, you know, volunteering and fire shows. So I um, got the courage in the morning and I was like, there's this thing that I was looking at for a TED talk. And of course he was very supportive of it. And, um, had said, yes, I think, you know, this is, this would be great. And you should definitely do this. I was definitely extremely nervous as I thought about what might happen if I was actually chosen. I, it was kind of a long shot. Like I said, it was in that last week and we were about to go on vacation. So I kind of threw together an application and sent it in, but I, I don't know. I figured I would just deal with that when, if it got to that point and then it, you know, next thing I know, there was an email back to do um, 
an interview and, you know, there was a down select through there and then the email saying that I was selected and then I started freaking out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wow, this is really going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. At that point I was like, okay, okay. I need to kind of, you know, get my little ducks in a row, but, um, but no, it was, it was a really great process and, and the creative process was especially really amazing and very eye-opening as well, trying to nail down the script and then um, memorizing the entire script and working with um, my speaker coats on, you know, speeding up or slowing down or inflection or adding something here and then working with the TED production team as well to, um, to pull together the footage and do the actual recording was uh was a really great experience again what i hear when you tell that story is the courage right to do something that you maybe were afraid to do at first and and we as project managers so often get caught in our process of running the project right we're gonna just do what's comfortable and oftentimes what we need is to have the courage to step out our comfort zone and do something that can be really rewarding if we just gave it a chance Mm-hmm. And I yes. can imagine now, and you and I haven't rehearsed this, so I hope there's a positive answer to the next question. Um, but have you heard from people who've heard your talk and who may have been inspired or had some sort of reaction to what you had to say, other than me? Because, again, like I said, I saw that and I was like, she's coming on my show. How am I going to make this happen? What, what's been the feedback or response that you've gotten? Because again, it's 1.5 million plus views you've had on that now. Yes. Yeah. Well, well, there's a couple different um, things that I've heard from, you know, different people, both people who I've never met before and those within my own circle. Um, a lot of the people who I know, a lot of friends, um, whether it's in Dubai or back in Michigan or down in Florida, um, had reached out and, um many of them had said, wow, I, I had no idea that that happened to you. And I know that you fire dance, but, the, um, but I just had no clue about the history behind all that. And, you know, and, and it's not something that I really talk about at birthday parties or, right. you yeah. know, social outings or anything like that. So uh, most of the people didn't know. And um, that was really, you know, everyone was just really excited and happy for me. And, and so that was really encouraging to hear from friends. I had another friend who um, I've I've known for a long time, and she had reached out, and she had always known about about the fire, and had, she had said, you know, I remember when we were six, and um, I remember my parents telling me about it and seeing it seeing it on TV, and just to hear your side of it, since we we never spoken directly about it, was really interesting and really amazing to hear. So um, that was that was neat that she had mentioned that. And then, yes, I've gotten a couple of messages on LinkedIn as well and seen a few comments, whether it be on Instagram or Facebook, YouTube, um, from people who experienced something similar. A couple of people who actually, you know, had experienced house fires and were fire dancers and, um, you know, other people who had experienced a similar, although not the same type of trauma when they were young and, um, letting me know what their process was and or how inspiring the, the TED talk was to um to help work on their grief as well. So yeah, it's it's been really the feedback has been amazing and um yeah it's just the entire experience is is 
definitely a once in a lifetime that I've, I've really enjoyed. Another item that uh, I know you have interest in is mentorship. So I'm imagining all of your life experiences would make you a fantastic mentor, encouraging people to step out their comfort zone and, and get uh, familiar with being uncomfortable. Where, where does this interest in mentorship come from and, and what more could we learn about that? Sure, definitely. Yeah, I, um, I really enjoyed working, um, volunteering as, uh, with PMI as a, as a chapter leader one of the things with the PMI chapter that I, I'm a part of, it's the geographic distance is huge. It's from Mobile, Alabama to Panama City, Florida, and everything in between. So the, the members are kind of really scattered around. And it's, as with many chapters, it's difficult sometimes to recruit volunteers to serve on the board, and more so when we've been virtual from the start. So there's not that in-person kind of camaraderie that you get with some of the other chapters who are closer in distance. So recruiting people to to volunteer has been a challenge sometimes, but I've really enjoyed it. And I've enjoyed working with the, the board members of the chapter for on their different roles, um, working with different people as they start to pursue their PMP or some sort of project management certification. And I think also encouraging people and just letting people know that that they do have the hours, you know, there's a lot of military from the area that I'm in. So transitioning military thinking, how am I going to get the hours to, for my application? And, you know, just kind of working with them to say, okay, look, it's not, it doesn't have to be completely black and white. If you are transitioning from the military and you've had a career, you have the hours for your application. It's just a matter of figuring out where they are and, and finding them. And then noting them down. So kind of, you know, working with people to guide them through there, pointing them to different resources to study for their um, project management exam, and and just encouraging people in their roles as well, um, pointing them in the right direction of different resources. I really, really enjoy collaborating with people and linking people up who might have similar or same interests or, um, you know, just building that community has been a real passion of mine. Yeah, and I always take a moment when somebody mentions military transitions and, and mentoring uh, to bring up VPMMA, uh, which is the Veteran Project Manager Mentor Alliance. And everybody can go out to thevpmma.org to learn more about that, um, including our golf tournament, which will be coming up in October. Shameless plug uh, for those who want to donate. But that's what we do, right? We, we help veterans transition out of active duty into the civilian workforce, or if they're already a civilian and they're just looking for some guidance or mentorship in the project management industry, that's what VPMMA is there for as well. And we've worked with a few different PMI chapters along the way. So um, certainly understand and appreciate all the work that your chapter was doing to help those military veterans as well. Yes, thank you. Yep. Yeah, it's, um, it's been, it's definitely, I think project management, a lot of, a lot of military and transitioning military are starting to look to project management. And um, it's, it's, it's definitely a good partnership, I think, because with the experience that they have in the military, I mean, that, that that's what you want to see in a, in a project manager. So it's, it's always great to encourage 
um, transitioning military to to consider something in the field of project management, in my opinion. Now, another thing that you had mentioned, and and maybe this is uh, something that has helped you with your your world travels, is you were adopted from Korea. You had mentioned that you were raised in Michigan and and started there, but being adopted, uh, how has that played any role within? kind of your life experiences and especially within the project management space, again, having that ability to adapt uh, and and deal with the unexpected or the unknown? Um, I, you know, honestly, I wouldn't say that it has too much. Um, I think with adoption, there are a couple of different kind of trains of thought that there are out there. For me, I really felt like my parents were my parents and I have never had this great urge to go and find my birth parents. In my opinion, your parents are the people who, who raise you and who love you. And um, I, although I have been to Korea before, uh, it wasn't to, it wasn't to you know search for birth parents or anything like that. It was really just another one of those travels and trips to see the culture and a friend who was out there at the time. So no, I don't think so. Although, you know, as I do get older and with my own kids now, it is more important to me to expose them to different cultures because of that. And with my husband being from the UK as well. And I think that's something that plays into the types of experiences that we want to pass on to our kids. Yeah. And that, that certainly makes sense. And I think that's um, evident in your your life, right? I mean, your journey is, is to go out there and, and I can imagine the example that you're setting for your children with all of the experiences you've, you've had is going to help them have a similar life, right? One full of, uh, adventures and learnings. And, uh, again, I try to relate back our real world or non-professional experience back to the project management sense. And for those future project managers out there, right, the ones that are upcoming, the children within our profession, how we can learn from your example of grasping the unknown and, and going after something that may be uncomfortable and, and finding out how you may benefit. What an amazing experience your life has been to be able to share with all of us because we can benefit from it as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's definitely something to say too for, you know, structure as a foundation, um, just just like there is with, um, you know, the PM Bach or, or something like that, you know, in proposals, we have the same thing. We have um, these Shipley processes with a number of steps, but um, having an understanding of that and that foundation, but also being able to scale to the, the challenge or um, the surprise or the issue or whatever pops up is, is, is a skill and, and, but it's also something I think that can come more naturally the, the more you kind of practice it and the more you are able to respond to it. If you had to kind of take away maybe one or two key lessons that you've learned from all of your experiences and, and share to those future project managers, or maybe even ones like myself who, who've been around for a while, what, what are kind of the key things that you've learned on your journeys that you think would be beneficial for others to learn as well? Um, I think one of the most important things for me uh, personally and professionally is uh, uh, developing personal relationships. Um, you know, in the professional sense, in the workplace, I've found that what's easier to touch base with individuals to kind of ensure that they understand 
what the deliverables are for a project rather than expecting them to speak up on a large group forum or a status meeting or something. You know, if you have a number of people on the phone, oftentimes people don't feel comfortable asking a question or trying to clarify something. So really just reaching out to them on a more individual level and and making sure that everyone's on the same page and communicating consistently and constantly is has been really important. And then and then also developing those relationships and you you know not just from a uh, a work or professional perspective but understanding the things that they're working with outside of the office and you know things that they might be interested in remembering if they mentioned that they have some big event or big vacation coming up i think that goes a long way um, people can pick up on whether you're genuine or not having those relationships really, in my opinion, leads to better working relationships and more openness to collaboration and, um, and, and community, back to that. So for me, that has been really important. And, you know, the, the other thing I've realized, you know, on the flip side of that is people get busy, you know, and sometimes they might not have the time to text you back or to email you back or to, um, respond as much as they should in an email or whatever. And I've really learned to not take that too personally. And um, if it's something important in a work sense, just to reach back out with a, you know, with a nudge to say, hey, have you looked at this? Can you get, can you get this on your radar for today? Uh, rather than thinking that they're just choosing not to respond to me. Yeah, I think especially in this COVID world that we've been living where we've been remote and, and we don't have water cooler talk, right. To, right. Or, or share the same lunchroom with folks. Um, I've, I know as a business owner myself, I've struggled a little bit remembering, Hey, when's the birthday? When's, when is that, uh, event? We just went through graduation season, right. And knowing which employees of mine had kids graduating and, and just being in tune, Mm-hmm. with the team is a little bit harder and we have to put a little more effort into it right now, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I had recently started a job in the middle of COVID and it, that, and it was really hard getting to know people. Um, because as you said, you didn't have that water cooler talk and I, I didn't want my first introduction to someone to be, Hey, can you get this for me? Mm-hmm. So one of the first things I did as I started the job was I, I pulled together a list of people and I found an org chart people who I would probably be interacting with at some point in the future. And there were maybe two dozen people on there. And um, I just started sending emails and I said, Hey, I just started here. Um, do you have 20 or 30 minutes when we can catch up? And I'm sure that most people thought we'd talk about work right away, but usually it was okay. So where, you know, where do you live and where, you know, just trying to talk about some personal stuff too, just to establish a relationship that wasn't, um, can you get this to me? I need to get this to you back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly would appreciate that. And I think that's, I don't want to say new normal because that's just the new existence for today. And, and we just have to become comfortable with that um, and learn from these experiences. And I love the the concept you had said of understanding what they're going through, right? Because so often we only look at the world through our own eyes and we forget that uh, there's others' experiences out there that we're not seeing through their eyes. Um, and that is so important. So, yeah, thank you for sharing those those thoughts. Mm-hmm. 
And surprise, surprise, we're coming to the end of another show. And they always go by so quickly. Uh, again, I can say that um, I, I'm super thrilled that you were able to join us today, Danielle. And I know whether or not anybody else got anything out of it, I'm going to be selfish today and say thank you for for coming on and, and helping me achieve a dream or a goal of mine to, to be able to meet you. It's kind of like when you read a book and you want to go ask the author some questions because it was a great book. Well, <laughs> I, I read the TED Talk and I wanted to have you on to be able to ask you some questions. So thank you for helping to build a relationship with me outside the show as well, where we've gotten to know each other a little bit better uh, in the time that we've connected. So thank you for opening up and, and sharing your life with me and with all the listeners as well. Yeah, thank, no, thank you. It's been such an honor. I was so excited when you reached out to me to, um, to take part in the show and to be a guest. Is there anything else that maybe we didn't get a chance to talk about you'd like to share with the listeners? Or is there a way that folks can get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you and, and stuff that you're doing? Sure. Yeah. I am. I, I don't think there's anything else for me to add, although I am available on LinkedIn and I think that you had linked my profile uh, previously. So happy to reach out and have conversations there, whether it be about um, work issues, business development issues, project management issues, or just to, I don't know, get to know each other. I am happy to, um, to reach out and respond. Well, Danielle, thanks again so much. Uh, for coming on and sharing your story with us. And of course, thank you to all of our listeners. Uh, please be sure to go out and visit projectmanagementofficehours.com. You can check out all of our past shows and of course our upcoming guests, which includes an all-star lineup. Uh, we have folks coming up from Israel, Hamotal Weitz and Daniel Zitter. Uh, we have the father of the project economy, Antonio Nieto Rodriguez joining us. We also have our uh, first guest from Vietnam, Karsten Lay, and also an, another individual who I've uh, been wanting to have on for quite some time. Uh, joining us from Brazil will be Americo Pinto, uh, who started up the PMO Global Alliance, uh, which is out there, which helps with the PMO Global Awards um, and the PMO Value Ring Certification Program. So, Super excited for all the folks that we have coming up. And as always, of course, thrilled with all the guests that we've had on over the years. I believe we're now up to over 30 million plays and downloads, which again, just blows my mind that that's even possible. Uh, so thank you to everybody out there who's made this existence be an amazing one for me. Uh, a reminder that these shows are also recorded. So please go out and subscribe to the Project Management Office Hours podcast on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker, whatever your platform of choice is. And of course, thank you to our sponsors, the PMO Squad and the PMO Leader. That's it for now. Office Hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours. Thanks for listening to another episode of Project Management Office Hours with PMO Joe. You're not alone in your project management journey. We're here to help you achieve your goals. Subscribe to Project Management Office Hours on your favorite podcast platform to catch all of our episodes and hear industry leaders share their story and secrets to success.